Hey guys, Chris here. I just wanted to give a quick content warning for this episode. It may have subject matter that can be disturbing to some listeners. So, listener discretion is advised. A full list of content warnings can be found in the show notes. That said, enjoy the episode. Dr. Charles Talbot recording for Clear Minds, Inc., Outpatient Therapy Division, Internal Records. The date is July 21st, 2022. It is 6.43 a.m. I just finished retrieving a box from our new storage area. It has been placed on one of the desks for H. Gray after he does a recording. That is, assuming he shows up. There is always a chance. You're late. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it. Understood. Today we should- First traffic was unbelievable. Then I tried to call, but my phone was dead. And I don't mean that I forgot to charge it, it was completely fried, Charles. So, I had to stop off at the phone store and had to buy a new one. Which, don't even get me started, that place was a real nightmare. I'm not sure I'll ever get the stains out. Wait, your phone is broken? So is mine. Really? So, why did you give me a hard time for being late? Honestly, Charles, you can't be upset that I'm late if I have no way of contacting you. That's rather unprofessional. Are you done? For now. Great. If H. Gray and Eli show, H. Gray will read a file, and you will babysit Eli. If there is time, I would like to get around to doing our audio logs. Wouldn't it be easier if Eli and I went to the second recording room? Aren't you usually on about divide and conquer? Eventually, that's the idea. As much as it pains me to admit, it's smarter to sacrifice efficiency until we can get a good sense of them. Hmm, right. We can't just let anyone have a full run of the place, especially since we just met them. Either way, I'll order a few more recorders. Until then, I'll have him use mine and... Oh, I forgot it's running. 706, you two are late. Yeah, my bad. We were gonna be early, but I forgot some snacks. Is five minutes a problem? Six, but... No, no, of course not. Over on the desk, you'll find a box. Am I right in the assumption that the files you turned into Dr. Olin were read? On his request, yes. Oh, that's... Wait, he actually had a system? Talk about a plot twist. System? Dad? No way. He probably just liked red. He actually hated the color. It did make him get to the files faster. Ah, I see. Anyway, speaking of faster, we thought if you read the files that you personally put together, it could save time. Most of them are handwritten. Side note, work on your penmanship. For your convenience, we moved all the red folders into that box. Next to it, you'll find an empty notepad. You weren't joking about the notebook, were you? Of course not. Oh, I brought pens! I didn't know which color, if any, was more important, so I brought red, blue, black, green, orange, a few gel pens that I thought looked cool, pink, and gray. To be honest, they were hard to find on short notice. You can use my recorder. Here. Should I just jump in? Does it matter where I start? An interesting one, please? It doesn't matter. And whenever you are ready. And what about me? What am I going to do? You get to spend time with me. We could, uh, play with blocks? Would you like that? Huh? Would you, boy? I'm not a kid. 
or a dog. It's either me or sorting papers with Charles. <sighs> what kind of blocks do you have? Can I get this over with? Oh, right. Sorry. Yes, please, don't mind us. The city always had a way of swallowing people. This concrete jungle... Wait, wait, stop. So sorry, Mr. Gray, Gray, but could you get more into character? Your delivery is a bit... Mm, flat. Maybe put on a voice? A voice? Is he serious? It may sound odd, but yes, if you wouldn't mind. Why? We send these back to clear minds. Someone has to listen to these audio logs and make transcriptions of them. If the delivery is flat, as Donahue put it, the listener may get bored, which could lead to transcription errors. You can't be serious. Why even do these, then? Why not just send the actual transcripts back? Head office loves redundancy, I'm afraid. Redundancy is important. Fine. I'll get into character. Ahem. <clears throat> The city always had a way of swallowing people. This concrete jungle. It's more of a marsh. Filled with muddy waters and ground that could give way at any moment. Its predators have developed a natural camouflage. By the time you realize it, you're already in its death rolls. The city had already set its sights and jaws on me long ago. I'm a P.I. Death rolls are a part of my daily routine. My name is H. Gray. This case started like any other. An envelope slid under my door. Its contents were from Dr. Olin. His jobs never paid, but he owned my office. A month of no rent meant I could put my money where it was needed, at the bottom of a glass at the local dive. Looking inside, the letter detailed the case. Juliet Sanders. I saw the photo first. Like her name, she was a real jewel, polished with sharp features and even sharper eyes. Like any other priceless gem, it was only a matter of time before it went missing. Last known location? Gwendolyn Manor. A missing persons case. Dr. Rowland's jobs have never been cut and dry. The letter didn't expand on the dirt of the matter. I did what I always do when I don't have enough details. I walked to my desk and flipped through the old Rolodex. I stopped at the name Tobias Toby Casson. Toby is an enthusiastic contact, overly bright and helpful. He's always had a knack, a gift really, for keeping his ear to the ground. He always knew someone who knew someone that knew something. 
The phone rang. Why isn't it my favorite P.I. H. Gray? How goes this- I'm sorry, what? Ugh, what did I do wrong now? Nothing wrong, it's just that voice. It's very good. How? Just, just how? Oh, H. Gray is amazing in impressions. I love my dad, but I would always have H. Gray do story time when I was a kid. When I was growing up, I spent a lot of boring days in these halls. H. Gray does the best voices. I can see why. That impression was above normal expectations. Above normal expectations? Now that's a glowing review from Charles. I don't have all day. Can I get this over with? Please do. Why isn't it my favorite P.I. H. Gray? How goes the city's best boss? I told Frankie he was wrong. About what? About what? And <laughs> this guy. My birthday, of course. Frankie told me you would forget, and I was like, no way, not my boss. Sure, he forgot last year, but it was a leap year. And the year before that, you were working on that Sycamore case, and you were tied up. Literally. Right. Happy birthday. I need a favor. Anything for you, boss. What do you need? Juliet Sanders. I need information on her. Gwendolyn Manor, too. Juliet Sanders. Got it. Did you say Gwendolyn Manor? That place has a lot of history. Looking for anything in particular? Anything that might connect to Sanders. That might take a while. When do you need a buy? However long it takes me to get there. Rush order, huh? Uh... Is that going to be a problem? Problem? Uh, of course not, boss. I'll get right on it. Frankie got me tickets to see a show, but I'll cancel. Thanks, Toby. Of course. Hey, you want me to save you some cake? It's chocolate. I ended the call and made my way outside. The sky was gray and dark. The rain felt like tears. I had no idea what was in store for me. But the heavens wept sensing the tragedy about to unfold. For a moment, I forgot Daisy was in the shop. The old girl took more than a few bullets from the Dawson job. I went to hail a taxi, only to find one already parked in front of me. I approached. The driver turned his attention to me. His head slowly swiveled like a shop mannequin. He took a long look at me before slowly driving off. Usually, my mug got me in trouble instead of out. One look at me and I'm pegged as a cop. A drunk, disheveled cop. But a cop nonetheless. I had no idea what dark things that cab offered. But that wasn't the job. I ordered an Uber. The driver took me down the winding streets. I watched the buildings out the window monoliths and shrines to the corruption that infested the very veins of this city. My driver was silent the whole way. Five stars. Gwendolyn Manor. The place was impressive, I'll give it that. Massive iron gates remained parted, held open by thick vines and unkept forest. Another five minutes and we pulled up to the actual building. Despite the entrance, the grounds were well kept. 
The lawn was cleaned and mowed down. A hedge maze flanked one side of the manor. On the other was a fenced-in cemetery. Polished marble columns held up the brickwork of the house. Its dark oak roof towered far above. I thanked my driver with an odd and got out. The stairs leading up to the door felt off. It was as if each step told me that something in the back of my mind was urging me forward. I fought back that small internal voice that told me I was walking into a trap. One day I would listen to it. Today wasn't that day. I checked the door and wasn't surprised that it was unlocked. Everything about this place wanted you to go inside. So I did. The door closed behind me as if pushed by an unfelt breeze. I now stood in a large open foyer. Expertly carved wood details were beautifully accented by deep red rugs. A large statue stood as a centerpiece. A crying angel. Its massive wings pointed upward in sharp spires. A large oil painting of a well-dressed man hung on the wall on the second floor. My phone rang. It was an unknown number. Who is this? Very funny, boss. I got the information if you still want it. Hit me. What have you got? Juliet Sanders, daughter and heiress to the Sanders Coal Mines. Coal Mines? That's still a thing? Oh yeah, boss. Sanders Mines sell most of their coal to Crystal Dynamics. Top diamond dealer in the city. A few years back, I was going to buy one from them, you, you know, for Miranda. But we both know how that turned out. Stay on point, Toby. Right, so Miss Sanders got engaged a month back to this guy by the name of Darren Sullivan. You want to know who Darren's father is? Dominic Sullivan, CEO of Crystal Dynamics. How'd you know? I did a job for them a while back. Dom is a real piece of work, but a decent guy. I doubt he's involved. A marriage to a coal heiress would be good for business. Any connection between Gwendolyn Manor and Miss Sanders? Juliet? There isn't one. Gwendolyn Manor is an old building. Some say it was the first building in the city. It's traded hands across all the families you'd expect. Currently, it belongs to the Carters. Should I know that name? Should you know that name? Carter, as in Carter's pretzels? Only the best pretzel shop ever! They got cinnamon, cheese-filled, bacon cheddar, dill pickles. I'm not seeing the connection. I'm getting there. Anyway, so Frankie's got a cousin who goes to Carter's Pretzels every day. According to her, Annie Carter, the owner and baker, has been seeing this schmuck recently. But it's supposed to be a secret. You want to guess who? Darren Sullivan, I know. Wait, back up. How does a pretzel shop afford a place like Gwendolyn Manor? Simple. It can't. Place has been on the market for a while. Long before Annie inherited it. No one wants to buy it. Oh, I nearly forgot. Boss, whatever you do, don't go inside. Rumor is it's haunted. Like, super haunted. The story goes that anyone who enters ends up a charred corpse with their eyes scooped out. And they are never seen again. If they're never seen again, then how do you know what they look like? Good point. 
Thanks for the information. No problem, boss. Oh, hey, while well, I gotcha, I still haven't received your RSVP for my nephew's bar mitzvah. Should I- Toby told me everything I needed to know. If I had paid him, I might have considered giving him a raise. The manor was more impressive on the inside than it was on the out. The allure of the many stone statues and masterfully woven tapestries began to lose its appeal very quickly. The hallways seemed to twist and turn with a will of their own. Many times I would turn a corner, and when I tried to backtrack, the hallway would be a dead end. Doors made no sense. What would seem to be a simple bedroom door would lead to a large, extravagant pool or sudden drop fifty feet above a ballroom. I swallowed a lump of panic, denying what every part of me already knew. I was trapped. My steps became more hurried as I paced the halls. I opened a door, probably the thirtieth door, when I entered a study. The room was shaped like a half a hexagon. The ceiling was high. Bookshelves lined every wall from the floor to the ceiling. A single, ornate desk was placed at the far end. The rug caught my attention above all else. A deep red like all the other rugs in the manor. But it had gold inlays, with an intricate pattern that made my head spin. It didn't spin for long. I heard the footsteps behind me far too late. I turned, and my vision was met with the flash of a brass candle holder. And then, the world went black. I'm no stranger to being knocked out. Usually it's by reaching the end of a bottle. In my profession, though, I tend to lose consciousness more than my keys. I expected to come to tied to a chair or a pipe. One time, I woke up tied to a pillar outside of Town Hall. What I didn't expect was to wake up comfortably on a couch. I sat up with a grunt. Couldn't tell if the grunt came from old age, old injuries, or the throbbing pain on the side of my face. Thank God you're awake. <sighs> I thought I killed you. I let my eyes refocus on the room around me. I was still in the office. The couch tucked away in the corner. I must have missed it when I first took stock of the room. There was a woman leaned up against the desk. She wore a simple red shirt and faded jeans. Her dirty blonde hair was tied into a messy bun and had loose strands framing her angular face. Her posture and voice conveyed nonchalance, but her green eyes were fierce, sharp, and cunning. Ugh, Juliet Sanders. Depends on who you are. Gray. H. Gray. Private investigator. Is that so? She took that moment to push herself off the desk. Juliet turned her body slightly, making a point to show off the hunting knife tied to her side. Yeah, I was sent to find you. By whom? Dr. Olin. No idea who that is. Honestly, I doubt anyone really does. I expected to find your body, no offense. Clearly, you're fine. Fine is a stretch. How'd you find me? I didn't. Olin did. I just came to pick you up. If he's interested in you, you're either real special or in some real danger. You know who I am? I do. <sighs> okay. Sorry to break it to you, but there isn't a way out of here. You and I are stuck. 
But hell, I'm down to keep cracking at it if you are. Great. If you're done sizing me up, can I have my gun back? <laughs> you didn't even check. How'd you know? <sighs> it's the weight. I might as well be missing an arm or a leg. She shook her head and flashed a small smile before heading around the desk. What are we dealing with? For one, the halls and rooms change. Sliding open a drawer, she retrieved my pistol. It's impossible to map, but it's not impossible to navigate. I stood to meet her on her way back around. I have found out there are a few rooms that appear more often than the others. The kitchen, a bowling alley, and the swimming pool. She placed it in my palm, and I slid it back into its holster inside my jacket. Then, there is this office. If you wander long enough, you'll always find your way back to it. For some reason, if you picture it in your mind, almost every door will open up here as long as you enter from a hall. So, this place is the center of the maze? That's just the start. If you're in the halls long enough, something comes for you. Something? You want to explain? Whatever it is, it's fast and angry. You'll hear it coming before you see it. Got it. You ready? <laughs> Are you? She pushed open the door and we left the safety of the office. The halls, just as before, twisted and turned. They changed, always when we weren't looking. Every once in a while, Juliet would stop. She'd take out that hunting knife of hers, natch a small X into the surroundings. Sometimes it was just a side table, others a pillar. Once, she carved it into the brick wall. I had to hand it to her. She was driven. She had a strength and a grace about her that was rare. She was a beautiful, shining jewel. She deserved better than that place. Better than this city. A dreadful moan echoed through the hallway. It snapped my attention toward the haunting sound. I could feel Juliet beside me, anxious to run. Her actions were only put on pause by my curious and calm demeanor. At the far end, the hallway began to flicker as a light bulb desperately clung to life. That's when I saw the phantom. It manifested under the fleeting light. A womanly figure made of gray. It was as if someone smudged an old black and white photo. A large hole sat nestled between her breasts. It raised an arm in a jerking motion. A dark hole opened where its mouth should have been. And once again, it filled the air with the sound of torment. I drew my pistol. The bullets passed right through it. The light went out. Juliet grabbed my hand, forcing my attention to those emerald eyes. Run! I didn't hesitate. I let Juliet lead me down the twisting halls, her breath and footsteps taking a backseat to the cries of the thing that followed. Come on! Where's the damn door? She was right. Each stretch of hall was just brick and oak. We came to an impasse. On our right was a hallway that had a large painting on one side and a railing on the other. It took less than a moment for me to recognize that painting. Uh, this way. That's the foyer. 
I looked at Juliet, and I pulled her along. Her soft hand squeezed mine as hope flashed across her features, bringing a gentleness that up until then was absent. I had to tear away my gaze, watch where we were running. Instantly, the Grey Woman formed before us. Its hands rested on the railing, facing the entrance. I felt Juliet's grip become a vice. The Phantom turned slowly to us. Just as before, its smudged face contorted. Its arm rose, and it unleashed a scream filled with so much agony. Juliet pulled me in the opposite direction. I didn't fight it. Look! She pointed to a door at the far end as we ran. My lungs burned at this point. I stole glances behind us. The lights popped as it made its advance. It was gaining on us. Fast. We... We're not gonna... Don't slow down now! I'll drag you if I have to! And she practically did. We reached the door. I could feel the thing's icy fingers inches from my neck. Juliet burst through the threshold and pulled me inside before letting go of my hand. She slammed the door shut. We both leaned against the door and took a few minutes to catch our breath. <laughs> We just barely escaped death, and Juliet was laughing. I wanted to hire her on the spot. The kitchen... <sighs> Could be worse. Could have fallen to the pool room. I don't know. Cool water sounds nice right about now. You say that, but the door usually opens up dozens of feet above the concrete around the pool. Even at a sprint, you'd just end up short of the water. Learned that the hard way. Messed up my ankle pretty bad. I was stuck in the office for weeks. Luckily, this was after I found the kitchen, so I had plenty of supplies stocked up. Couple of weeks. How long have you been here? I have no idea. I lost track. Not many windows, and... Even if you find one, it's always day. I don't think it matters here. So, who was it? Annie or Darren? Uh, I, I'm sorry, what? The way I see it, one of them lured you here. What I couldn't figure out was who. Darren's family had a lot to gain from your union. Did he love Annie? The only way out he saw was if you suddenly disappeared? Or was it Annie? Were you just an obstacle in her way? Oh? What if I found out about Annie, and I thought I could find her here? Maybe I'm the villain in your story. Are you? Nah. If you must know, I think it was both of them. Darren sent me a letter to meet him here, and enclosed was a key. Unless he stole it. Annie gave it to him. Yeah. Are you ready to go again? The door should take us to another part of the manor. We need to get to that foyer. That's the closest I ever got. 
Usually, she is always fully formed there. She's guarding the exit, huh? When we get there again, I'll distract her. You get over that railing. I... I can't let you do that. Don't give me too much credit. After you make it past, it'll be your turn to draw her attention. That way I can slip by. You think that'll work? Worth a shot. She didn't answer me, but gave a quick nod. I opened the door, and we went back out into the halls. Like before, we made slow progress. Juliet stopped to etch her little X's as we did. I think she'd hoped to find one she carved previously. The dance started again. The phantom appeared. It screamed. I shot at it, and we ran. We made sure to do everything we did last time, leaving nothing up to chance. It worked. We reached the hallway above the foyer, and it manifested shortly after. Juliet hid behind me. I leveled my gun. It came at me, closing the distance in an instant. Its featureless face mere inches from mine. In a jerking manner, its hand rose. Juliet shot out from behind me as if she was loaded by a spring. The phantom didn't notice right away. Its fingers gently traced the skin on my face. It was so cold that it almost burned. There was something else in it, though. A longing. A recognition. Somewhere, deep down, I shared its feelings. Juliet made it to the railing, and had it straddled when the phantom noticed her. In a blink, it was on her. Its face nearly touched hers. Juliet froze in fear. She turned pale. The phantom let out a cry of terror from a lightless gape. Juliet lost balance, and in her shock, flung herself backwards, <gasps> disappearing from my sight. That brief moment crawled to a stop. I could hear my heart slow, and my feet moved without my command. The spirit placed its hand on the railing one final time before fading away. Time moved for me again. I rushed to the railing and peered over. Juliet was held feet above the ground, skewered by the wings of the angel statue. She coughed up blood. Her hand gripped the stone structure that pierced a hole in her chest. Without thinking, I threw myself over the railing, landing on the floor and twisting my ankle. The pain didn't matter. I rushed to her. Refusing to see what was in front of me, I searched for a solution to a problem that couldn't be solved. I watched her emerald eyes cloud over. Juliet was strong. Her mind refused to let her black out, refused to let her die in peace. Her final moment was a failed attempt at a last breath. <laughs> 
the sky outside opened. I could hear the patter of the rain on the window, and my eyes began a downpour of their own. Her horrific body and the gray shades of the statue blurred together in my vision as I held her hands. They went cold impossibly fast. So cold that they almost burned. That's the end of the report. That's so sad! I almost have no words. Your impressions are unbelievable, Mr. Gray. H. Gray. I'll admit, that story was better than I thought it was going to be. Today is fine, but for future reference, if you are aware that the file you're reading is, in fact, a work of fiction, it will not count, and you will have to do another. I need a moment. Excuse me. H. Gray, where are we? Eli, let's give him a moment. Alone. Oh, okay. Uh, he left it running. This episode was produced by Christopher George and Dalton Lewis. The story was written by Christopher George. Script editing was done by Dalton Lewis. Charles Talbot was played by Christopher George. Lucian Donahue was played by Dakota Hamlin. H. Gray was played by Michael Williams. Eli was played by Dalton Lewis. Tobias Toby Kassen was played by Kevin Lidzinski. Juliet Sanders was played by Abby Lidzinski. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Patient Files. Every listen, download, and rating really helps us continue to bring stories like this one to your ear holes. Also, remember, if you ever wanted to help feed our wonderful talent, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thepatientfiles. Until next time, stay safe and stay sane.